Hello, this is Elizabeth. And I'm Lee. And we are having a special panel of sixes podcast um, during this time of coronavirus. So we have um, three sixes in the room. And so tell us a little bit about why you thought this might be important. Um, pretty passionate about okay, it. well, first of all, um, my friend Kathy Sever, who's here, um, sent me a text kind of joking, sort of. And she said that I should have a panel of six podcasts about mm-hmm. coronavirus and so that y'all can tell us everything we need to know that you already knew, right? And and I was like, ha, 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 and I posted it, and I thought it was so funny. And then I, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, that's actually brilliant mm-hmm. and needs to happen. And also, I think... I just noticed like there are these kind of two camps of people of like people who are freaking out and people who are trying to downplay everything. And I feel like there's not a real, um, not a lot of grace between the two. And it just seems like this is an opportunity to have a a conversation about what it feels like to be a six in a time like this. Yeah. So here we are. So here we are. Um, And I guess my first question to the sixes is, In a time like this, uh, do you feel oddly, like, do you feel safe or than usual? Or do you, what do you feel like on your, like, in safety terms right now? Hi, I'm Lisa. I'm six. It almost feels like everybody's doing the worrying for me. Like, I can sort of release it um, or kind of distance myself from it. Not that I think it's a good thing, but there's so much panic and there's so much media and, um, God, so much conversation around it that I just sort of don't feel like I can possibly play any role in helping it at all. I feel like the people who need to be doing it are doing what they can. I don't have any control over it. So I can't even do the research that's needed. I can't do Hmm. the preparation because there's nothing to be done is sort of my perspective on it. That is interesting. I'm Kathy Sever, and I think I'm a six. Still trying to figure it out, pretty sure. Um, and something that I have felt, it has, I've felt a very similar energy that I felt after my oldest daughter was born. Hmm. Um, where I had, I was in community with other young parents who were profoundly shaken and it was one of the first times that I realized that I kind of lived in a state of being profoundly shaken all the time and so it didn't feel different to me wait why why were they profoundly shaken um ha- like having a first child and oh. all of a sudden oh you were profoundly shaken all, they, all, all of the new moms that I was oh, getting to know sorry, sorry. were all feeling like really flipped out I see. and really struggling to try to figure out how to adjust to things like worrying about a new baby and not getting enough sleep mm-hmm. and um just dealing with that energy of uh, significant change. That was one of the first times where I kind of felt like, oh, I'm equipped for this, actually. I haven't slept my entire life. <laughs> you know, like I've been flipped out my whole life. And so it didn't feel as um, so epic of a shift, I think. And so that's kind of what I've been feeling 
during this time is more um, like the oh this is a this is a, a a place that I have lived and where I'm not really comfortable, but it doesn't feel as uh, apocalyptic as I think it does to a lot of people right now who are absorbing like wait change wait fear mm-hmm. where yeah I have kind of felt this weird sense of um, camaraderie and mm-hmm. calm kind hmm. of not not total calm I've been flipped out to a certain extent as well but like I have definitely noticed that I'm carrying on in ways that I'm watching the people around me start to break down a little bit because mm-hmm. I do feel like this is sort it's of your, a day-to-day thing that, I, that I've learned to manage yeah. over the last 47 years. Gosh. Kathy, I can actually really relate to what you were saying as far as I feel like I'm kind of made for this too, in a way. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I have had my moments of being freaked out, but I'm also strangely a little excited too because <laughs> I... I am completely prepared for mm-hmm. this in a lot of ways, um, and, and this may be a, a sixth thing. I don't know, but I, you know, from years ago, I have the, I have the the masks and the freeze dried food and the water backup and the solar and the generator. So I'm a little um, over the top as far as you know. I I just feel like we're ready and we can help others and. Uh, mm. Um, but I, but I definitely scanned the horizon, and I've scanned this horizon before mm-hmm. this even happened. You know, for what could go wrong. So I'm constantly scanning the horizon and trying to be prepared for what could go wrong. And tell folks who you are. Oh, I'm uh, my name is Rich. Hi, Rich Maloof. Yeah, Thanks, Rich. <laughs> that would help. Yeah. <laughs> that is. It's so interesting to hear, right? So I would guess most Enneagram folks who are not sixes would not have predicted that response, that they would have imagined that you've gone deeper into fear. Um, and so I, I wonder, based on what all three of you said, what has been frustrating about our response? What has been frustrating to you about um, either the response nationally, globally, the people around you? What... What kind of irks irks you about that? I'll speak to that because it has. Um, it actually reminds me of something that I heard on your podcast <laughs> when um, you were talking about sixes, and I can't remember the exact context. But basically, I remember you, Elizabeth, saying something about how it already feels like we're holding a lot of weight. And, mm-hmm. and, and so there can be a reaction when somebody else starts to lose it of kind of anger and like, wait a second, we can't all go there because if we all go there, then we're all going down. Um, I can't remember exactly That's what you said, but I remember you saying something about that, like a reaction when somebody else starts to lose control of like a no, 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 Maybe no kind of, of reaction. Conflict, I think. Say again. Like if, I think it was around a conversation if... It's hard Conflict, for a six to that's hear. What it was. Yeah, um, it was when you, what they perceive as negative kind or of criticism. Or criticism. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. and that rung incredibly uh, true for me. And so I think what I have been frustrated by um, in this moment is I do feel like all of a sudden everybody needs to is is feeling as though it's productive for them to vent their fears. Mm-hmm. And I have learned over the hmm. course of my life that it's absolutely unproductive by and large to do that very loudly and very publicly like it's contagious and it's not helpful and so and i'm watching people do that just 
I mean, I've really had to limit my interactions with people and social media because I feel like it's rampant right now. Everybody's Mm -hmm. really deciding, not everybody, but a lot of people are really feeling like they need to lay their deepest, darkest fears out on the table for everybody to take a look at. And, um, like I said, it, it does, it feels contagious and it feels unhelpful in the moment. And that is where I've wanted to be able to kind of say like, that's not going to help you in the long run. Let's just tuck, tuck that in a little for the sake of the Mm -hmm. community. And do you feel like, you know, you're very practiced at that? Like you've had to spend your whole life kind of having restraint around laying all your fears on the table so that you can sort of just get along with people and so to have everybody just doing that without any um restraint well, it's feels not that like I've even had to I haven't I don't feel as though I've had to do it to get along with people mm-hmm. I feel like I've had to do it in order to maintain well-being mm-hmm. I've learned that it doesn't serve me mm-hmm. to perpetually be kind of mucking around in my fear that there is a time and a place when maybe you might need to say something out loud but by and large Mm -hmm. you kind of need to compartmentalize that and there really is a lot to be said for learning how to take a fear and shift the energy around it internally Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. you put it out in the world Hmm. and so like what would you say you guys about you know how we always talk about sixes and verbal processing so, like, you talked, Lisa, um, last time we were together about when you were camping, you had verbally processed yourself to to sort of run through your checklist of fear so that you could kind of move through it. So, and you're saying that you feel like it's, are, are you saying something different or are you saying something similar or? Um, I think that it's, it's similar. I, I heard you guys talking on that podcast about mm-hmm. what I guess was your experience. And that rung, that also really resonated where like, yeah, I might need to do some work internally mm-hmm. um, running through. There's a lot of checklists. There's a lot of envisioning worst case scenarios and then problem solving those in order to feel like, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to do if the bear attacks the car or whatever, but it, it needs to happen inside of me. Okay. And it actually exacerbates my own anxiety if I start to vocalize that. Okay, interesting. Do you want to add anything? Well, I was going to say, I think on some level, I'm experiencing something really similar to what you're doing, which is like, you know, initially I sort of dismissed it. We'll see where this goes in a week. And then when it kind of was ramping up more and more... I allowed myself to start reading some articles, but I was really selective about which articles I was going to read, which publications I was reading them from, because I didn't want to build the fear. I know better than that at this point than to look to certain publications because I know, you know, the clickbait and the kind of exaggerated kind of drama around it. So instead, I kind of looked for things that would provide statistics for me, frankly, to help me understand, like, the reality of what real danger was out there, finding that, you know, in fact, it wasn't really an issue of, like, we're all going to die. It's more an issue of, like, you know, how is the stock market going to be impacted by this? Like, that's really what I'm thinking most about, frankly, at this point. I think what disappoints me about um, the kind of broad reaction that I'm seeing is that people, to your point, are, are laying all of this kind of fear and panic out on the table for all of us to be kind of 
recycling between us, mm-hmm. um, which clearly isn't helping anything, you know, and then also sort of behaving in these kind of self-protective ways that aren't really going to positively impact the community around them or really help with kind of dissipating the issue. So the the whole like toilet paper thing where like you can't buy toilet paper anywhere <laughs> is like so absurd. And the idea that people think that somehow that's going to be kind of one of the safety measures they have to take feels really selfish that, you know, you've bought a, you know, 6 month supply of toilet paper whereas now there are people who can't buy any and you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it just kind of, I, I guess what disappoints me is the way that people's fears are manifesting into these very strange self-protective measures that aren't really considering the community around them and considering how their kind of basic day-to-day behavior can impact this. It's more about, yeah, taking these like small kind of like, again, like media driven measures, which don't feel very logical to me, I guess. Mm -hmm. So in hearing all of you talk and just thinking about what we're learning about sixes and worry, feeling kind of like your your way of thinking and that you've learned to kind of, when, when you do your work, is how we would say it and bring up thinking, is what I heard each of you describe, that you're familiar with this territory of just kind of the wheel of worry that's and that that's not productive and you've learned how to bring up productive thinking and it seems like the rest of us are in the worry machine where mm-hmm. you know in this kind of not balanced um way of dealing with our worry you know um kind of what i'm hearing you guys describe that it's really interesting to me well it's interesting that and correct me if I'm wrong, the sixes are the ones we're supposed to be the worriers. Yeah. And yet you just brought up an interesting point yeah. that on some level, maybe because we're so used to worry and we had to learn to do our work around it, that uh, that there's less, um, we're actually worrying less than maybe the general mm-hmm. Public or the other numbers, however we would yeah, say. Yeah, however that. we well, talk I've, about I've, it. I've picked it. I mean, I just feel that uh-huh. just from just anecdotally. I feel that. So that's one of the. That's why it was my question. Well, and I, I think this is why it's so. I'm so grateful. So the caricature of this would be right now that sixes are going into their bunkers and that sixes right. are going underground and the fear and you know the truth is that you're like mm-hmm, we've you know like it's going to be okay and you were talking about community and that's another piece that we talk about oftentimes with sixes whether whether you're an introvert extrovert what have you but that you have this loyalty about the people that you love and the community around you and so to see people in panic there's that piece but then the panic that might harm the community in a way that's not thoughtful is also just something that I think is not lifted up enough about what sixes bring to our world. You know, just the the big picture of we want to be safe and think these things through so everybody is okay, right? So everybody gets some toilet paper, right. for God's sake, you right. know? Yeah. Or like I saw on Instagram this morning, it was one of the few um, posts that got my attention was somebody was saying for people who are in recovery – in this time of social isolation, like, 
your you, your proclivity is to isolate. So try to find some, try to not do that. Like try to try to have thoughtful community. Try not to use this time as an excuse to be to be isolated. And I thought, wow, you know, that's I hadn't thought about that. But I think you know it could leave a lot of people in a tough spot. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And everybody's different around that. It's funny the extroverts and the introverts around this. The introverts are like, "Praise God, here we go. We're going in." <laughs> I'm just like, "Do I have enough thread to quilt?" That's all I care about. Do I have? <laughs> so awful, but I was like, what, "Do I need to go out and get some fabric?" <laughs> well, do y'all feel like there's? Um, like, do you feel like you have a certain duty in this in this time, or a certain thing that you uh, should be offering us? Not should, but can offer us in a time like this. That's yours to do. I mean, I feel like the one way that I've been talking about it with most people is trying to bring facts into the conversation, like trying to help people understand really what the fear is, because I think part of it, too, is because there's so much media surrounding this conversation, everybody's kind of finding an element anywhere to sort of note how COVID-19 is going to impact that. And so it's you know, the fear is spanning so many parts of our lives, whether it's, can you get the toilet paper? What is the stock market doing? What do your bank accounts look like? Do you own a local business? Is that Mm going to impact you? Are your parents going to get this, you know, potentially, you know, so there's so much out there to be afraid Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, and maybe it is six related that like, we've all just kind of at this point, we've we've been in lifetime training for how to deal with this and how to compartmentalize that fear, to your point, Kathy. And, um, you know, now I think the most useful I've been in conversations anyway or kind of the most calm or, or safety I've been able to provide for anyone is around kind of, yeah, breaking down really what the reality of these impacts look like. And, you know, according to whatever articles I've been reading, you know, kind of like how short term this could potentially be and how not to get wrapped up in all of the noise, you know, Mm -hmm. almost sort of offering people my own coping mechanisms Mm. as a means. Yeah. That's fantastic. To sort of quell that, that shaking fear that people are feeling right now. Mm. Yeah, I would I would agree that I have definitely been feeling grateful for a lot of the tools that I have been trying to figure out how to build over the course of my life in that they it's funny when you practice when you have some sort of contemplative practice how often you hear that it's called practice because there will be a time in which it is you're called upon to actually kind of put into play the what you've been practicing over and over and over again and I have definitely felt in this point in time that having some sort of meditation practice or something like that versus when I see people who who don't have that the knowledge that they can that they have the ability to quiet their fear and seeing that sort of um, energetic spin cycle start I, I haven't necessarily had a situation yet where I have been telling anybody like well here's what I do but at the same time what I have I 
I have, I'm a small business owner and the small business community here in Austin has definitely gotten hit hard and fast. Um, and there's Mm -hmm. been a lot of conversations going on where I have noticed myself in conversation with other small business owners where I see the fear in their eyes. And I remember that somebody has to hold the light. Like there's just no point in everybody going into the dark place and that it might as well be me. I don't know if I'm going to be any better at it than anybody else, but somebody's got to hold it. And so that has been kind of like, I, I know the danger of sinking into the darkness. I have done it a million times I've seen that it's not productive it doesn't actually like going into the darkness doesn't help you problem solve as much as you think it's going to it doesn't protect you mm-hmm. like you think it's going to and when you've done it repeatedly and learned that lesson over and over again it does like I it, it is moments like there's there's a quote that I actually posted something about it today but it's it's one of my favorite quotes that I read that I think was um, a saying that was circulating around the West Bank and it was that like now is the time for optimism we'll save pessimism for better times mm. and i think that i think about that all the time when people mm. are kind of spinning where it, where it's just like well there's no we don't that's not that's not helpful it's just not helpful so somebody has to be able to hold some sort of hope or light or some energy that kind of pulls people back out of the dark corners of their minds God, Kathy, that's so beautiful. It is beautiful. And I, I would say, I think it's y'all's, I mean, it's your gift. I it's think your superpower. And who knew, in a way? Like, I feel like y'all get so much grief, right, for being afraid. But um, but I've also always said, I think y'all are the bravest, you know, because you, when the shit hits the fan, y- y'all are the ones that, you, well, first of all, you've been living in the fear the whole time, and yet you still face it. And I think just that alone is brave just to have that happening every day and the rest of us are unpracticed at it. So I think, I think that you, you are holding the light up for the rest of us. And I think it's pretty incredible. There there was something that you said, I think in that one, in your six podcast, which I actually heard, I should send you, I I found a woman who is researching something similar where she's researching the physiological ramifications of holding the belief that fear is detrimental Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. that fear triggers courageousness. Mm -hmm. And that if you are a, if you come from a society that has some intrinsic belief that fear then triggers a um, like a biochemical response that then leads your body to behave productively or courageously, mm-hmm. that you're less likely to like develop heart conditions early in life oh. or all of these things that we associate with chronic stress here and that we're perpetually being told how bad for us stress is Mm -hmm. that it's not she she's not saying that stress is not necessarily harmful in certain ways but she does she is studying our belief system around how harmful stress is but she echoed that idea of if you shift from thinking about stress as inherently and organically harmful that you can um you can just radically kind of impact your own biochemistry by just saying, this is my body being courageous. And Mm. that's what she's teaching. I passed that along to Ramona, who seems to be wired, my daughter, who seems to be sort Mm -hmm. of wired similarly to me. And that that was a nice thing to talk to a 19 year old about, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, your body is really vibrating. Isn't it? Like, isn't that 
wild to watch your primal instincts to be courageous mm-hmm. and just like can you figure out how to use that language with your own self instead of like I'm this is anxiety I am naming this anxiety and I have been told that anxiety is and bad it's just gonna bad, take bad, me bad. down 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 yeah yeah gosh and anxiety is just like the word of the days and I mean like if everybody's talking about anxiety all the time but I think what I mean I think what you're talking about is this uh way of looking at productive fear as an asset and a virtue. I I think that's interesting. It's funny. I was looking, we were thinking about what are the questions we wanted to ask you all while we had you gathered. And I think it's interesting. The first, all of your, like first kind of tell us where you are, what you're thinking about. I'd written down, um, can you imagine or be connected to what you trust about your own experience right now? Like your own kind of, you know, lots of times we talk about sixes not being able to trust their ex- their experience in the world, that that's kind of where the fear kind of circles. And we talked about that on our last podcast about that's kind of the sabotage piece um, that keeps you from knowing you're safe. And what's fascinating to me and so beautiful is that we just went down this line and you each talked about how you kind of used productive thinking or to, to get out of that cycle in this space of all times, you know, that you're connected to your own experience of safety right now, that you're connected to, to it's going to be okay, that I've been through this. So I, I don't know. I just, I think that I don't even have to ask that question because you just, it was in you. I think that's so beautiful. Well, I will say I don't necessarily have an intrinsic feeling of it's going to be okay. Like that might be that's too too far too far <laughs> too far. <laughs> like I definitely I but I haven't I have a, like a curiosity. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to a mm. verdict oh, of how it's going to be. So good. Ah, that's yes. so good. That's and yes. that's where it feels like a and curiosity. I and I not to like go into a too much of a rabbit hole, but like I I've. It's been really interesting for me to explore the whole Enneagram thing because when I learned that there was a number that specifically like resonated with the idea of not feeling safe, of never feeling safe and kind of perpetually looking for worst case scenarios, mm-hmm. that was definitely like a... Um, Oh, <laughs> moment where uh, because that has been it's been a funny thing. Like I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that's always been very alien. It's been very alienating that like the whole world doesn't actually believe that we're all going to die a fiery death in like some major horrible way publicly with like shame and fire. But um, <laughs> uh, but I think that. Yeah, this has so so it's not really like right now being like everything's going to be fine. I'm really glad you made that distinction, you know, that I think the word curiosity is that you have space for the curiosity, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Oh, something that yeah, something that you were talking about that there are others, you know, certainly hits a note and then the fact that, you know, all along kind of as you're growing up in this mindset, it's quite alienating. Um and and I mean, in adolescence, you just genuine. Everybody sort of believes that they're different than everybody else, and that something's you know wrong. And I think, or maybe that's mm-hmm. a sixth thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, um, you know, at some point, I can't help but wonder if maybe my mom is also a six. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you know, I remember her stopping me and having this conversation with me, and saying like, Lisa, you know, 
I know what this feels like, and and I all I want for you is for fear not to run your life. Um, I know, heartbreaking, um, because she sees in me what is in her, which is why I'm suspicious that she's also a six. You know, she's not familiar with the Enneagram, but getting to know the Enneagram now, it really has brought to light that, like, this isn't a choice I've been making all along. This isn't just because I'm, you know, I can't grow up and, you know, just take on the world bravely in that sort of, at least from, you know, the outside view. Um, I guess I just approach bravery in a from a different angle, I suppose, mm-hmm. than other people. But yeah, I think Enneagram did sort of make me feel a little bit comfortable, more comfortable in my own skin, understanding that this isn't just something I haven't defeated yet, that I just haven't yet gotten rid of, that it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't mean that I haven't, um, you know, reached, you know, my best self or that point of growth or yeah, that enlightenment or whatever. Um, it's, it's in me and it's, there to stay you know Mm -hmm. um and it's really you know hence the enneagram is just about doing the work for it but but yeah i think you make a really great point there that it's um it's comforting to know that other people feel that way and they still operate just fine in the world they get through it just fine (laughs) i think people get so people are so afraid to be afraid right and people are so afraid of mortality and so i think people can be too um, unfeeling and drastic about how they respond to fearful people who are afraid. And so I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure y'all are very, I mean, it's just something you've had to deal with your whole life, right? So in a moment like this, I suppose there's some, I don't know, not comfort, but something. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) yeah. Maybe it is some some comfort of knowing that I think that um, in my experience, like it's been really interesting to reflect on the intersection between trauma and sexism <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, because uh-huh, I think uh-huh. yeah. I-, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of people out there like I feel like I was uh, and and still am, you know, still unpacking it all. But like when I feel like I, I was <laughs> thinking about the, the Enneagram, like I, I feel like I was given an enormous amount of opportunities early on in life to start to practice crisis intervention. You know, I had mm. a <laughs> I had a very ill father who was, you know, not to get too into it, but like that it was very traumatic how, how we kind of lost him slowly, but also quickly he had a like a brain tumor that so he went into surgery as one person and came out as another so he was around and he was had a lot of seizures a lot of very dramatic health stuff um i lived in northern california where the earth every once in a while would just shake underneath you and you couldn't really trust the ground underneath your feet and there was Mm -hmm. a lot of um and so i thought that i was a product of that and that it was something that I was just stuck with for the mm. rest, you know, that I was freaked out about the world because I couldn't trust the world because of X, Y, and Z. And so was, began trying to figure out how to mitigate the idea of my life being controlled by fear at a very young age. You saying that about your mom just rips my heart into shreds because I've said the same thing basically to my daughter. Similarly, like when you see the path that you can go down, when you let the fear 
take control, but when you're practiced at trying to right your own ship over and over again and not let fear take control, then I do feel like in moments like this, there is a comfort to, I have believed that the world was going to end before. I have felt and seen the end of the world before, and it didn't end. And so, therefore, there, that's where that hope can kind of exist. Mm. So good. Is there anything else? I had one more question, really based on kind of the conversation we had around self-sabotage and where that went was around how we love one another well and kind of the barriers that we put up to love, right? And so I'm just wondering, you can either think about it in this time um, or just in general, how, how do we love you well, like right now? Like, wh- how do the people around you ca- care for you? You know, I've heard the ways that you are thinking about how you care for us, which is so beautiful. But then kind of the flip side of that is how, how do we love you? A fascinating question. Um, I don't know if I really have an answer, but I think that um, in allowing, when my family allows me to take care of them and they take comfort and gratitude in that, um, in a way it feels like they are loving me. Yeah, that's... that's because they, but you feel like they trust you. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's true. That it, it is a trust, and um, you know, and I, and and I, I wonder in a time like this, do the and I don't know if you guys talk about it, but does if you're a six and uh, a sexual or a self pres, and mm-hmm. does it even make it like I'm a six self pres, mm-hmm. serious self pres? Mm-hmm. Does that change the way I would look at this? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. We haven't gotten into subtypes. We haven't. Oh, oh, okay. No, no, it's okay. It's, good, but it's okay. But and it's, I, and it's, it's reality. Some, it is reality. That'll make things interesting. I mean, it just for adds sure. another layer, right, when the time for comes. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That, I hadn't even thought about that, but that, when you said that, that just completely resonated that um, it's true that I am sort of comically tending to the people that are closest around me um, making soups and bone broths and tinctures and magical potions and whatever. It's definitely what I do as therapy. And when it feels like it's being accepted and appreciated, Mm -hmm. I have a deep, deep, deep (laughs) sense of like just joy. And, Mm. And it feels so good to have somebody really gratefully accept mm. something that I because f- you do you take all of your anxiety at least I feel like I take all of my anxiety and I put it into a tea yeah and, and I w- and I want to believe that this tea is going to yeah. protect the people that I love and That's so awesome. when somebody takes that and with and, and appreciates the energy yeah and maybe engages in it and yeah. actually drinks the tea which yeah. almost never happens <laughs> but like it just oh my god it scratches a itch that That's is very you're a six alchemist. Yeah. You yes. know, you're like putting putting that fear like literally into to something that can assuage someone else's. I love that. Um, you actually hit on something that really rings true for me, which is um, that, you know, when your family, for example, lets you take care of them and that they put their trust in you. Like when if I were to have one of these conversations or whatever, um, for somebody else to sh- to show me that 
my opinion is trusted or that my knowledge is um, trusted, that is, you know, as a six who, like, doesn't trust themselves in their own experience, for somebody on the outside to say, no, you're on to something, no, you are right, or no, you do know how to do this, at least I need to hear that. You know, I need to hear that from the other people around me. And so, you know, you saying that people letting you take care of them does necessarily imply that they trust you to do so and do so well. Um, so, yeah, I think getting that kind of feedback is um, a really good way to show a six some love. I agree with that. Is there anything that we you all want to say or share? We don't want to monopolize your time, but you would want us to know about sixes I mean we can do we'll do more of these well I just want to say like I feel teary right now part partly I think because of the reason you all are talking about I feel kind of taken care of and that you have come here and shared your experience um which is why we're doing this work right and so just hearing your perspective and you sitting at this table and being so open and vulnerable and you all just trotted over here without you, just, you know like i mean there there are a lot of people who wouldn't come today but y'all were really happy to come um and be in close proximity and all of that <laughs> and i really I, I feel very honored so thank you so too. much thank you Just close.